joining us for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. This week, we are back with a new episode brought to you by the Choose Wisely podcast family, which features Logan Trog discussing with his own dad what it's like to be a hospice chaplain. What I love about Choose Wisely is their commitment to listening to other stories. So I hope you too can enjoy a story of calling and a kind heart with a good ear. and welcome to the Choose Wisely podcast. I'm Logan J.P. Schrag and I'm your host. And if you're listening to us via the Dunker Punk podcast, I want to give a special shout out and thanks to them for the opportunity to share our content on their platform. 
Uh, if you're new to the Choose Wisely family, uh, I guess a little bit about the Choose Wisely brand and what it is. Um, it's something that I created along with my wife, Madison. Um, and it's really just because we felt that people needed to choose wisely and value their own story. So this podcast is going to jump into the stories of everyday people. So we will think that there is um, – we're trying to find the – abnormal in the normal. So we think everybody has a story and we should be very proud of that story. So we want to take time and actually highlight everyday people doing everyday jobs and their story and hope that it can inspire you all listening to value your own story. So today um, is actually episode one for us. and This is our first podcast, so we're pretty stoked for that. Um, and we'll go into more introductions and things about me and the Choose Wisely podcast on our own podcast platform. Um, but for right now, I'm joined actually by a very special guest um, to me personally. It's my father, Rick Schrag. And uh, he's joining us um, with a very special chapter in his life that we're going to kind of focus on. And so um, my dad is actually has become a hospice chaplain. And so what I'm hoping that he can share with you today, you're sitting here, you can, you can say hi to everybody. Hi, no. everybody. <laughs> so he... Uh, he uh, started his career path out nowhere near chaplaincy um, and then had a calling and found his way to be a chaplain and then actually found his way into hospice care as well. So that's what we're going to kind of dive into today, if that's what you're here to talk about, hopefully, right, Rick? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> if not, we're in for a doozy, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what we want to do, though, is because we're going to highlight just such a a niche chapter of your life, um, and this whole podcast is about the whole story and the person's story. Uh, we want to make sure that we can capture a little bit more about you than just the chaplaincy and hospice. So we're going to start with uh, what I like to call get to know the person in 60 seconds. So, okay, but can I say that part of these stories, there are some stories that I won't be able to share because of the hippo Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so everything is confidential and HIPAA, absolutely. And I actually work in healthcare as well, so we understand HIPAA very well. Um, so when you're telling stories and things, obviously just don't use patient names or anything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, so we're going to start the 60 seconds, and uh, the clock will start as soon as I read the first question. So are you ready for your, your 60 seconds? Yeah. 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 It's a, basically, I'm Steve Harvey, so you got to watch out for that. <laughs> 20,000. Yeah, right. <laughs> Win a car today. All right. So here comes your first question. You ready? Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Would you rather be hot or cold? Hot. Would you rather be able to fly or have super strength? Super strength. What's your favorite hobby? Baseball. To watch it or to play it? I used to play it quite a bit. I, do, I would do both if I could. If I had super strength. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> do you have a favorite player in baseball? Calvin Jr. Favorite vacation spot? Beach. Favorite show on TV? Andy Griffin. There you go. <laughs> fried chicken or hot chocolate? Oh, fried chicken. Oh, that's a tough one for you. The Oakland A's or the K-State Wildcats? Oakland A's. Who is your biggest inspiration in your life? My grandfather. Why is that? Because he always did everything with just a handshake and a slap on the back, good job, and, you know, he just, you knew his word was good. Yeah, absolutely. So what's a quote you live by in your life? 
Well, I have a quote above my door in <laughs> yeah. my house. <laughs> yeah, so those of you... All I got quote because I can see it every morning as I walk out and it makes me think about it. It makes me kind of realize, refocus. It's a nice reminder for you. Yeah, things happen in the house every morning when you're getting ready for work. Maybe you can't find your shoes or maybe your pants <laughs> is hidden somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> And when you just how you put it, and you come out and you have to get refocused because it's you're going out to meet the public now. Right, absolutely. That you're going out to see everybody. So for those of you who don't live at our house uh, and don't know what's hanging above our door, uh, my dad has a quote above his door that says, "Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you." Yeah. I get that right? Yeah. You got that right. Yeah. Right off my head. <laughs> yeah. It was written down for us, so don't let anyone at home feel fooled. So, uh, but anyway, so we're going to kind of jump in now uh, to okay. kind of highlight your chaplaincy. And so I really want people at home listening to this um, to be able to figure out and, and hear kind of how did you become a chaplain first? And then after you became a chaplain and, and been ordained and all that, what took you on to be hospice chaplain in that field? Because it's a whole different monster on its own and not just a chaplain in general. So, Well, I think when I first started working, I was doing a lot of manual labor. And I thought, this is a lot of work for somebody else. All right? Yeah, absolutely. So then I got into to, uh, pastoral work. And I did a lot of... Uh, pulpit supply okay and did a lot of things that were pastors were gone or needed a vacation or whatever the churches needed somebody to fill in right I was filling that that spot kind of on call kind of on call type of thing yeah but that 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 wasn't it was very fulfilling as a pastor but you had to make decisions for the whole church, and you felt like you didn't know the whole church. Right, because you're just filling in, so you don't know everybody's in. You might be filling in for a month or whatever. So, yeah, so I, I didn't get to know the church. I didn't get to know the congregation. Right. So then I, I was going to the ministry background and what I really love to do. Yeah. And I I got to uh, talk to some friends of mine who steered me into going into Wesley Medical Center and trying some chaplain work there and just see if I liked it. Right. I took four courses there and found out I really liked chaplain work. I really liked being there for people and their need, their time of need, and to actually bring God into their arena. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick, yeah. I want to just make sure people know um, your chaplaincy that you did at Wesley Medical Center, which is in Wichita, Kansas, for people that don't know. Um, CPE. Yeah, CPE work. So you, and you also worked in the trauma center as well. Yeah, right? yeah that's all part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so... It's one actually the largest hospital in the state of Kansas, besides some Kansas City metro hospitals. But other than that, so just just so people know the perspective and the size of, of the 
patient load that you were seeing every day and how that kind of affected you as well. Sorry, I'll let you keep going. And then I, you know, you, you find out that everybody who comes into that, nobody plans on being trauma. Right. Nobody, nobody puts that in their schedule, daily schedule. And they come in there and some people are right away tabbed good and some are tabbed bad. Like as they come into the hospital? As they come in. As they come in, people tend to, by, by how they act, by what they do, by what they represent. People assume that they're good people, or bad. People will make that assumption. Yeah. Okay. Right away when they see you. Right. It's like a first impression. Right. Okay? Right. So if, if I have a guy come in and they say, this guy is, is in here because of gang violence, it sends a whole different story than this guy was out skateboarding and ran off the sidewalk and got hit by a car. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Two different scenarios. So anyway, so I learned how to listen to their stories. Right. You know, I mean, and you had to, you had to learn how to really pay attention. Because part of that is, part of that is that the doctors would come in and talk to some of those people. The, the doctors' words are way up here. They're right. well educated they can't comprehend what they yeah. And so sometimes you'd have to help the, the, patient. the people yeah. to understand what was actually being said. But most of my work was done just with, just with listening. And so I learned a long time ago that listening and silence have the same letters in them. Yeah. They just flipped around a little bit. Right. Right. So to really listen... You have to turn off your body. You have to turn off your brain. You have to just be aware of what people are saying and and where they're saying it from and what kind of thoughts and stuff their stories bring up. Yeah, so basically you're saying if you shut down everything inside of you to have that silence, then you're actually able to truly listen to somebody. Yes. Okay. But it takes all that. And that's pretty hard to do sometimes. Right. So as long as as long as you're listening to people, you know, people talk about their memories and their stuff and they haven't gotten any older. Or their memories the memories that come back and flashback to people are when they're kids. Yeah. You know? Are like my memories of you, you're not you're not over twenty. Right, yeah. You know, you're yeah. like 10. Yeah. Running around the house, you know, <laughs> shoot things off the wall. <laughs> Digging up a couple yeah. doors, putting a hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm good for. <laughs> Doing broken bronco type thing. Yeah, you know? I still do that now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you're not a 6'3", 300-pound guy now. 300 <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not but quite. you know you, the stories that they share. Like in my line of work right now, are people that have lived through a lot of things where 
I have just been a spectator. I've just read about them in books. Right. You know, the, the 30s. The Great Depression. Yeah, the Dust Bowl years. Mm-hmm. The Roaring Twenties. Yeah. You know, how, how some people were dirt poor but didn't know they were dirt poor. Absolutely. You know, their, their parents did the kind of job where... Even if they were the poorest people on the block, you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the people that had the most money wore the overalls and suspenders. And you couldn't tell fields. just by what they were doing. Just yeah. by what they were wearing. Absolutely. They weren't out driving the big fancy cars because nobody was out driving the big fancy you know? Right. So real quick... Um, that that transition then from Wesley and doing trauma care and that chaplaincy, what what kind of clicked for you to make you want to go to the hospice route? Well, in at, in the hospital, when people were coming up with the dying process, yeah, you know, it just became. A sudden halt to their lives, and it became all of a sudden. It's oh my gosh, I might really die. It's coping with that realization. It's coping with that realization. Okay. All right. So now, in a, where I'm at for the last ten years, in the hospice side, of it, as people come to it, coping with it. A little different in a process. Yeah. Because now they're looking at six months. Yeah. You know, they may only have six months to live. They may have two weeks. They may have a year, you know, but it's in that six months round. Right. So, a sec- so that, that brings you, on a daily basis, getting up your thing, like you get to put your shoes on in the morning. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, oh yeah. Things, the blessings of every day that we take for granted they are cherish. different now. It's cherished. Yeah. And that is different than the thought of having an accident today at 20. Yeah, it's a completely you know, different it's mindset. It's completely different because cause these people have had the life experiences that they can draw back on. Yeah, and or they at least have now been been made aware that okay, your life is coming to an end, and they've had that process of saying, okay, I'm getting on hospice care, I'm bringing in home health, and this is where my life, this is how it's going. Whereas yeah. trauma may just they were fine, and then two hours later, now their life is in jeopardy, and then now yeah. they have to cope with all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I was going to school or at no, work or whatever and all of a sudden now I might not be here tomorrow. Yeah. See, the people in hospice, they've already faced a lot of different losses. Yeah. For one, a lot of them have lost their ability to drive uh-huh. and they're grieving that. Yeah. Now they can't even drive the little scooter around the retirement homes. Right. Because they're running into people. And they have to to do another grieving thing and be selling your house. Yeah. Or or having your your children, have to bury your own children. You know, uh, some of the stuff is huge. Yeah. 
when you think that you made it through the 30s and you made it through, you're 90 years old now and you've had all this great things that you've accomplished in your life and some mistakes that you made that have made you into a different person. Yeah, shaped who you've become. Shaped who you've become that to all of a sudden just throw things away and say, hey, I, what is my mind? What is... What is what has become of my life? Right, you have the, almost a luxury to be able to look back on your life yeah. and and you know reminisce and and relive some of those moments that were. Yeah, and then there are some moments you don't want to relive. Right. I mean, there are some of those things. There are some people that came into nursing home with millions of dollars and and being old is. You can't make money hardly right, anymore. You should yeah. spend it all. Yeah. Yeah. People come out and spend it for you. You don't even have the right to say no. what's all gone. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That The medical bills, the rent that comes with living in a, in a retirement yeah, facility. facility. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And um, if you don't have family at home that take care of you. Yeah. You got to pay for home health or yeah. nurses to come. Nurses to come or... Yeah, and you can't stay at home because people can't take care of you. There's nobody there. Right. Right. So, so it, it just comes a lot of losses. Yeah. But they've been coping with now. They've got a chance to have all those losses. And so it kind of just adds up and they have that, like we said, kind of like a luxury to be able to, to go through that process where Ed Wesley and the that hospital people didn't have that opportunity everything just yeah, was lost at once that was just boom right away and you didn't have time to think about it yeah you either had death or life in some of the situations right there's no reminiscing or re reconnecting no. with memories yeah so through your journey in hospice and getting to to be a part of some of those really intimate moments and as i'm sure some of those memories of people are reliving those moments in their life i'm sure it's very intimate for them and their family uh, you get to be a part of that for people um and so can you kind of maybe take the listeners and even myself into kind of how those conversations get started or or how do they open up to somebody just coming into their house and and what kind of conversations do you get to have with them What's that process? Well, people, people in general are pretty trusting and open. Okay. Especially when they when they've been told they're on hospice. Right at this point, there's nothing at to lose. Point, yeah, at this point, you know, it's more like, uh, oh, do what do you want to know? Where do you want to go with this? You know? Yeah. And uh, some of them will start by telling me their medical history. Okay. I'll be like, well, you know, <laughs> I don't even I, know what happened yeah, in surgery thirty years ago. I don't ago. need to know this this kind of stuff. This is stuff you can tell the nurses. Yeah, you know, you're just here to listen. I'm just, I'm just here to hear your story, right? And Full some, story. yeah, and some of them will start telling you, oh, my wife. And some of them are married. Say, this is my wife of seventy five years. Yeah. You know, that's a whole lifetime for most people. Oh, oh absolutely. Several, several lifetimes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it becomes, it becomes a story then about how they raise their kids and how, what their grandkids are doing. 
Uh, they had a favorite dog. They used to <laughs> yeah. play baseball. They used to, you know, they, they played for KU, you know, or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. Had some of those. I've had, had some that they just have had struggles all their life. Yeah. And they're, and they're really kind of crying out and saying, I don't know what I've done to deserve all this stuff. Yeah. You know, and then you have others who have who have lived a life of of rightly almost. You know, they uh-huh. haven't had. You know, you and I would think they've had any struggles, but in their mind, there's been, they've been yeah. struggles. Yeah, right. So all this shapes you, right, and it brings you to who you are. And for some people. Well, you know, I asked I asked several people, I said, I said, just, just this week, I said, okay, what, what do you attribute to being older? You know, you're in your 90s. Yeah. What has, what, what do you attribute to? Making you feel 90? No, to living to 90. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. We'll get you to 90. We'll get you to 90. Right. And everybody's got a different answer. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Some people say, oh, you know, I I never did this, or I never did that. Yeah. And the other guy will say, oh, man. I always do this. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Some some people want to walk peacefully through the end of their life. Uh, and the other guy wants to come in there sliding sideways and <laughs> Pull the e-brake, yeah, drift in yeah, the corner, slam yeah. into the wall, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> if it didn't kill me before 90, what I got to lose? Right. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, that's a perspective right there. So, I don't know, it, it's all been, it all been an overwhelming challenge to meet these people where they're at. And let them tell their stories. Right. Because that's, that's important. Yeah, so in a way, you're kind of helping guide them through those reconnecting memories and things. You're giving them the opportunity and a safe place to just let themselves be heard and to say, you know, I've had a lot of, you know, for lack of a better term, a lot of junk happened in my life. You know, I've been through a lot of stuff. Or, and talk about how, oh, man, back in 19... 19- 33, I was six foot three, 300 pounds, and I was the catch of the show or or whatever. I was an all-star athlete, or I got to do, I got to meet so-and-so or whatever. So you're giving them that guidance to let them kind of help navigate to reread and tell that story. Yeah, I got some of those that drove my legs Model T's. You know, right. I had some people that <laughs> didn't have a car. They walked everywhere. Right. You know? So. Oh, yeah. So you ask them, well, what are the, what are the greatest, greatest things they saw, greatest experiments they've seen right. during their 90 years or 100 years? We have several of them that are 108, you know? Yeah. And what are the greatest things that they, they've seen? And they, say, they always say, well, there's some good things, but there's some bad, you know. 
in the 108 years. There's some good yeah, years, 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 bad yeah. things. Yeah. One thing that has really been scaring them is is how technology has taken off. Right. Yeah, because 108 yeah. years ago, <laughs> we, yeah. didn't, we didn't even know what a what a VHS was. We didn't know what yeah. an 8-track was. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, and some of that stuff is, is still almost like new to them, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't know, sure. but I used to think my my uh, grandparents were crazy because I had to come over and hook up the VHS. <laughs> you know, I come on, people. What's this world coming to? Well, now, now you got more memory on your phone. Yeah, than you ever had in a computer. Ever, yeah. The first they, computer. They ever had when they sent the... To their whole house, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. saw them shoot the rocket off to the moon. People thought that was... Amazing. Yeah. Thought that was out of this world. It was. <laughs> nice play on words yeah, there. there you go. <laughs> Good plug. <laughs> well, so out of those conversations that you get to get to have with people, is there some that maybe you've had or something that maybe has sparked a, a change in your own perspective to live your own personal life differently? Or, or have you heard something that someone has said that maybe just, ah, aha moment or a click moment that has kind of helped shape your everyday life or how you look at things differently? I think what I've learned over the last 10 years that I've done this is that be true to your word. If you say something, if you're you're going to do something, you tell somebody you're going to do it for them, then do it for them. You know, you can... If if you're untrue to your word, then people don't they don't respect you. Right. You know, I mean I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and and as I've raised fifty percent of you, <laughs> I hope that I've taught my children to be true to who they are. You know? Yeah, I'd like to testify to that and say, yeah, I think I think you definitely have taught us all to do that. Well, you know, it's it's it says something to to say, okay, Logan, I'm going to help you do this, give you a handshake or whatever, or have have a plumber or somebody come work on your behalf and give a handshake and say, yeah, go ahead and do it, and pay him off when it's done. Right. And people respect you a whole lot more because you're you're more at what you do than what you say. Absolutely, I think. Oh, I I would agree with that a hundred percent wholeheartedly. Because yeah. you can you can talk the talk, but if you don't take care of it in the end, yeah. Which I've I've learned that hard way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I some sometimes I I got things going my way just because of of who I knew mm-hmm. or because of who my parents were or whatever and sometimes I should have had to scrap it out by myself. Right. You know? Yeah, I think it's very true that the world really is a small place and sometimes you have no idea 
how connected everything actually is. And I think the saying is like you're three handshakes away from everybody in the world or something like that because everybody is so interconnected and had they so-and-so knows so-and-so who knows so-and-so who's related to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And so you're that close to everybody in the world. Um, and I think that really rings true as you, as you continue to grow up. And obviously I'm in my 20s, but as I've gotten older and gotten to be in my career path or whatever, you've seen that, oh, wow, that person that I knew from high school is getting married to my now co-worker's little brother yeah, or whatever. You know, and you say, oh my goodness, it's a good thing I didn't have burn a bridge back there where I never thought I'd see that person again, where somehow now my coworker goes home and says, oh, I work with Logan. And they go, oh, well, good. He's a, you know, whatever their opinion is, but yeah. it's a good opinion, hopefully, because we didn't burn that bridge. Not mm-hmm. everyone's going to have a good opinion, I'm sure, but... Luckily for me, in that situation that I bring it up, it was a good opinion. So we'll just talk about that one. But, but no, I mean, I think I think that's kind of what you're trying to say there too, right? Is is that you know you don't want to live with a regret, or you don't want to go through life just you know getting through it because you're just you're just saying, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it to make myself look good. But behind closed doors, we're not pulling through what we said we're going to do. Yeah, we're not being the same person that we're portraying ourselves to be out around people. Yeah, I think I think we need to take our mistakes, look at them and and move on and learn how to make it a better a better way for everybody cuz like you say, we're we're only 3 to 5 handshakes away from anybody in the world. small world. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So when you hear of of people walking and not ever having a vehicle or you hear what people are going through, it, it brings in a whole new situation, a whole new theory sometimes of what well, you can walk with, you know. I know when I grew up, we'd see what we would consider poor people. Yeah. And they were like living in ditches and whatever and and you'd say, oh, those guys, you hear people say, those guys just need to go out there and pull themselves up by the bootstraps and get busy and get working, find their own way, you know? Yeah. Well, that's easier to do for some people than it is for other people. Some people can do that. Right. And so, those as, those that we see as Christians, we can help. Right. We can help anybody, but... It's harder when people don't hard. think the same way yeah, as exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. That's a whole other discussion. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast That's topic right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I'm going to be on number two. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> trying to book yourself yeah, for a later yeah, episode. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, neat, Dad. And thanks for being willing to come on and talk about hospice care and about how this is just, honestly, a chapter of your whole story, but it's something that because of your story and how it was written, it led you to this chapter. This is a chapter now that in a way is, is kind of the, maybe the climax or the, or the big part that you maybe felt like you were leading up to in your career path. And now you found something that maybe fulfills you as a career. Um, it's fulfilling every day. Right. I mean, there, there's some days where, Man, I heard the wind blow last night. It's snowing out there. I heard the ice hit the window. I don't want to go to work. Yeah. But then you get out there and you go. Yeah. And you see where people are at. 
And you're glad you got up. Oh, you betcha. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because God has something entailed for you every day. Right. And you have to take your part. You have to do your part. Absolutely. No, I no, I love all that. It sounds like it's really a an opportunity for you every day to get to share those stories with people and get to hear their life stories as well and let it let it be a testimony of their life that helps kind of mold even what you do every day then. Yeah, or maybe it maybe it's because I've I was an older pastor. You know, ordained I wasn't ordained right out of school. Yeah. You had to come back. I had to come back and go through it and and learn to to appreciate the dollars that it took me to go through college. Right. And to go to seminary. Yeah. And to get my ordination, you know. Right. You had a little more life experience under your belt. I did. To make you realize how important some of those things were. Yeah. And how hard so, some of those things are. You sometimes, kids. sometimes you just go and take some things for granted. You don't even know you're taking them for granted. Right. Or you miss the blessing every morning. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of that old saying, if you don't know what you have until it's gone sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's the, all the time we have, unfortunately. Um, but just as a reminder for everybody listening, um, if you have questions that you have for Rick after hearing his story or, or something that you want to say to him or maybe some words of encouragement for him as he continues to go on, um, always just shoot us an email. It's uh, Our email is choosewiselypodcast at gmail.com. So no spaces, nothing, just choosewiselypodcast at gmail.com and all those emails come through and we screen them and we hand them over to to our interviewees over here and they get the chance to then have feedback or um, answer questions or comments that you might have as well so we'll be looking to pass those on to you but thanks for joining us for episode okay. one all right <laughs> hope it wasn't too painful for you no no it was very good i'm ready for two yeah <laughs> just keep booking yourself yeah all right well thanks everybody for joining us and uh, thanks again for the dunker punk podcast for hosting us on their site um and if you need more content like this um, always look us up we're on anywhere that you stream music also our website is Logan, L-O-G-A-N, J-P, as in the two letters, and then Trog, S-C-H-R-A-G dot com. Look us up and stay connected. All right, thank you so much. Have a blessed day. As of recently, I've been officially living in Washington for six months. I think I've been a little hard on myself about not making as many new friends as I thought I would by now. But this episode was a really good and cute reminder that sometimes getting to know someone is right under your nose. You just have to be present enough to ask questions and know how to listen, which can be easier said than done. I suppose I can even cut myself a little slack since I live on a pretty small island. In this busy holiday climate, it's really important and difficult to take a deep breath and to be present, paying mind to the love that is around us. The love that is in a FaceTime call, or even the love that's in an old 8-track tape. To prepare to host an episode, I'll usually listen to the podcast a few times through. Sometimes the story sits a little bit differently the second or third time around. 
About the second time through, I was really thinking about that just a couple of handshakes away from everyone. I was reminded of all the people I've been lucky enough to shake hands with and share time and space with. I'm especially reminded of the Young Adult Conference and all of these kids who are out here doing incredible work. And the beauty of getting to connect, share, rest in each other's company, eating snacks and just listening to it all. Summer in Kansas, summer in DC. It just blows my mind where God takes us and how we get to use our skills, whether or not we know we have them. The end of anything can be really scary. And the theme of loss in this episode at first sort of unnerved me, but I was reminded of the verse in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. Everything on earth has its own time and its own season. There is a time for birth and death, planting and reaping, for killing and healing, destroying and building, for crying and laughing, weeping and dancing, for throwing stones and gathering stones, embracing and parting. There is a time for finding and losing, keeping and giving, for tearing and sowing, listening and speaking. There is also a time for love and hate. What do we gain by all our hard work? I've seen what difficult things God demands of us. God makes everything happen at the right time, yet none of us can ever fully understand all he has done. And he puts questions in our mind about the past and the future. I know the best thing we can do is always enjoy life, because God's gift to us is the happiness we get from our food and drink and from the work that we do. Everything God has done will last forever. Nothing he does can ever be changed. God has done all this so that we will worship him. Not everyone is lucky enough to love the job that they have, but whatever occupation you head to, it sounds like our work is to let Jesus be seen through us. And that's something I can wake up in the morning and be excited about. Thank you again for joining us and listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is a radical podcast or way of living out the work of Jesus. I'm your host, Kiana Simonson. This episode was created by Logan Schrag. Jacob Krause edits the show and does our wonderful theme song and all the rest of the music. Carrick Van Esselt creates graphics. Dean Feisenheiser transcribes our episodes. Suzanne Lay manages production. Arlington Church of the Brethren is our gracious host and sponsor of the show. On Earth Peace provides ongoing outreach and production support. You can find our archives on iTunes or at, online at arlingtoncob.org dpp. You can connect with the show on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. Or if you have an idea for a podcast or something you think we should take a look at, you can email us at dpparlingtoncob.org. Thank you again for listening. 